0: That was a crazy story. Thank you, Emily, for reading that. Um, It was uh, pretty tough to read. Uh, Angels, dragons, demons, uh, boy, uh, water flowing. That's such a crazy passage. We're going to go through this, and you think to yourself maybe... Uh, I thought this was a Christmas series. (laughs) God with us, right? Uh, Isn't that what we're supposed to be talking about today? Well, I want to share with you this passage today because um, it came to me via a video which played the words from a sermon from Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon preached this message in 1857. But he was kind of like um, an early... um, I don't know, spoken word kind of guy. And uh, his sermons were kind of like that. And so I'm going to share with you some thoughts of his over the next few weeks. And one of the thoughts that he had was that the word God with us sends terror into the devil. Now, we don't want to think about the devil much. We don't want to think about how uh, the devil works in our lives. We we see the results of evil and things like that, and maybe we even see the results of the things that we've done wrong, but we don't want to think that the devil has anything to do with it. And far too often, we don't actually pay attention to the, what the devil is doing in our lives. You see, the devil from this passage is on the war path, that there is a Description here, a celestial description of what's happening behind the curtain of reality in the heavenly realms that John, the writer of this, is trying to communicate to us. It's kind of like watching a science fiction television show, right? There's a story, but there's a text under the text. There's a story under the story. I remember watching the old Star Trek shows and The old, original Star Trek was obviously the Russians were the Klingons and the Americans were the Federation. And there was this subtext of what was going on between Russia and the United States. And when you start watching those uh, next generation and uh, Genesis and so on and so forth, as you move throughout the culture, the themes, the subtext changes. And in the same way that John writes this in kind of like a a science fiction fantasy kind of way, there's a story beneath the story, there's a story behind it, and and we have to be careful that we uh, deal with this properly as we read it. But it does have a lesson to us about what's going on in the spiritual realm. There's dragons and mythical creatures and every culture all throughout Europe and The Babylon and um, the Chinese Empire have all um, used dragons and mythical dragons to represent evil. As a matter of fact, when the cartographers were drawing maps around the world and there was an empty space, they used to write the words, here be dragons. And uh, I was thinking about this when I was watching the, uh, the movie, The Hobbit, Desolation of Smaug. It got re-released on Amazon Prime uh, earlier this week, and so I watched it, and there's this conversation between Bilbo and Smaug. And the description that he has is so true to the description that's here in the text. By the way, Benedict Cumberbatch does the voice for Smaug in this. Uh, He says, "'My teeth are swords, my claws are spears, "'my wings are a hurricane.'" And then Smaug says the king under the mountain is dead. I took his throne. I ate his people like a wolf among sheep. I kill where I wish when I wish my armor is iron. No blade can pierce me. I am fire. I am death. And that's a crazy image uh, of this dragon. And yet in the Bible itself, it also describes the devil in very similar fashion. Now, we leave most of these things about dragons and stuff in fairy, fairy tales and movies and books that we read from Jared Tolkien and so on and so forth. But the dragon that we're looking at today is no phantom. It's no imaginary being. The dragon is the devil, Satan, the Bible tells us. And yes, there's this imagery of a dragon, a winged beast that breathes fire even, that destroys the world. But let's make no mistake that the devil is real. And yet, when we hear about the fact that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, the word Emmanuel, which means God with us, strikes terror at the heart of evil. Now, when we read the book of Revelation, we have to be careful that we don't read too much into it. A man named Hal Lindsay a few years ago, wrote a book called... Um, um, oh my goodness, I had the, the name of it on the top of my head here a minute ago. Um anyway he wrote a book a few years ago about prophesying what how the world was going to end and and he looked at this passage and said well the obviously the the dragon in chapter in verse 14 um it's where it says um But she was given two wings like those of a great eagle so that she would fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness. He said that that's the U.S. uh, aircraft carrier in the Mediterranean, the Sixth Fleet, and that uh, she was being lifted out by a helicopter and sent to Petra. I mean, that's just crazy, right? You can't read into that text what it never would have meant to the original hearers. That's just a basic principle of interpreting the Bible. So we have to be careful that we don't try to push our understanding from today's understanding or even what we think into the text. We have to be careful that we use the Bible itself to understand what the Bible is saying. But the lesson here today is that when you understand that Emmanuel, God with us, that when Jesus came and he was born, when he became flesh and dwelt among us, it struck terror into the heart of evil. So let's take a look at the passage from Romans chapter, or Revelations chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. Then I witnessed in heaven an event of great significance. So John the writer, which is one of Jesus' disciples, John, he writes this in a style of writing called apocryph- not a, 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 um, apocalyptic literature. And like I said before, it sounds, it reads a little bit like science fiction, but there's a lesson to be learned in the text. All right? I saw a woman clothed with the sun, with moon beneath her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant, and she cried out because of her labor pains and the agony of giving birth. Now, some scholars would say that the woman was Mary, right? It would be easy to kind of make that comparison. Mary obviously gave birth to Jesus. Maybe the, the John is talking about Mary, but maybe not. Actually, probably not. Some people thought, well, maybe it's Eve that we're, he's talking about, John is talking about. But there again, we don't think so either the The image of the twelve crowns reminds us of the twelve tribes of judah and this is a is a, is a snapshot picture it 's one story, a couple of paragraphs trying to tell you the story of all history, the celestial story of history, pulling back the curtain in, in a brief snapshot, telling you what 's going on and and as such, it has to have imagery into it it has to have brevity to it and so this event is likely the birth of the Messiah that has been prophesied since Eve all the way throughout the Old Testament that was prophesied about through the lineage of King David and that Matthew records in the beginning of the book all of the names of the people in the lineage of King David who, uh, who now end up with Mary and Joseph in the story of Jesus. And so we have this Messiah being born She cries out because of her labor pains and the agony of giving birth. Verse 3, then I witnessed in heaven another significant event. I saw a large red dragon with seven heads and ten horns with seven crowns on his head. Obviously, a a description of a mythical creature that has lots of symbolism here. The crowns is also an, uh, an image of his authority and rule. But the dragon was always an image of evil and destruction And I'm reminded of those words of Smaug, the the dragon. I kill where I wish and when I wish. My armor is iron, no blade can pierce me. I am fire, I am death. Verse four, his tail swept away one third of the stars in the sky and he threw them to the earth. He stood in front of the woman as she was about to give birth, ready to devour her baby as soon as it was born. And we now have the Christmas story, uh, all of this history from the beginning of time till this moment when Jesus gives, uh, Mary gives birth to Jesus. It's all happened in a paragraph or two. And we have the dragon waiting to devour the child. And this is an intense moment because behind the scenes of reality and a little stable in Bethlehem and this little child being born in this uh, cute little manger and stars in the sky and little lambs mewing or uh, uh, not lambs mewing, I don't know what a... Whatever lambs make, sound lambs making, cows, you know, bellowing. You know, we have this cute little image of Jesus being born. And sure enough, it's labor pains for Mary. But the cosmic reality that's going on behind the scenes is that the dragon is waiting to devour the child. And all throughout history, the devil has been at work trying to destroy this significant moment in history. And along comes this young couple, Mary and Joseph. And in the book of Matthew Joseph is we are told that Joseph a man of character is going to be engaged is engaged to a woman named Mary and both of them are righteous in God's sight both of them are descended from King David both of them are chosen by God and Mary's visited and we find out in very brief fashion that the holy spirit comes upon her and she becomes pregnant and Joseph is like, well, she's my, she's my fiancé. I mean, come on, I, you know, she's pregnant. Obviously, it's not me. So he wants to break off the engagement. And an angel of the Lord comes to him in the middle of the night and says, don't fear, Joseph. This is what God has chosen. And as a matter of fact, the angel tells Joseph, We want you to marry this woman because the child she is carrying is not yours, but is the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the child you will name Jesus because he will save the world from their sins. And Joseph does just that. But it's interesting that it says in the book of Matthew that this was done to fulfill the prophecies of the entire Old Testament. And then it says in Matthew chapter 1, if we can kind of jump back over there, uh, look, the virgin will conceive a child. And she will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now this word Emmanuel is given here as in a definition. God with us. It's an incredible moment in history. Throughout all history, in the spiritual realm as well as the physical realm, this child is born and now God is with us. And it's at that moment that... The birth of a child strikes terror into the heart of evil. The word Emmanuel is spelled maybe differently in some senses, and I often wondered about that, why it's spelled with an I in some areas and an E with others. We sang a song earlier where it's spelled with an E. It all just depends on which uh, uh, language you're using to translate from. One is Hebrew and one's Greek. But the word Emmanuel means God with us. That the woman... Uh, is giving birth to a child. In verse five, she gave birth to a son who was to rule all the nations with an iron rod, and her child was snatched away from the dragon and was caught up to God unto his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where God had prepared a place for her for 1,260 days. We have to be careful here again that we don't try to do the math and try to figure out the details from what's obviously a metaphor that's being used to describe a physical event. A segment of history that is happening. A time between the time the child is born until the time when all things are made new. This is just a time description of when these things might happen. Not in a literal sense, but in a sense to say, not the fullness of time, but half of that time. And there was war in heaven, it says in verse 7. Michael, the archangel is introduced into the story. Michael is the defender of the Old Testament people in the book of Daniel. Michael is the one in charge of all the armies of heaven. Could you imagine the battle that's going on behind the scenes as the angel Michael and his uh, armies go against the devil, the dragon, and his foe. The angels fought against the dragon and his angels and the dragon lost the battle. And he and his angels were forced out of heaven. This great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with all his angels. You know, Satan functions as a prosecutor, right? His job is to make you feel bad about yourself. His job is to steal, kill, and destroy. Satan's job before Jesus was born was to uh, persecute those who were followers of Yahweh God. And since Jesus was born, he has been defeated because of his, Jesus' death and resurrection. But make no mistake, the devil is still out to get you. He is still the accuser. He is still the one who wants to trip you up and to make your life miserable. Don't underestimate the role that the devil plays in the spiritual realm. The opposite of a prosecutor is an advocate. And Jesus in the New Testament says, I'm going to promise you an advocate, not a prosecutor, someone who's going to make you feel bad about yourself to try and convict you, to try and trip you up. I'm going to provide you with an advocate, somebody who's going to stand on your behalf, who's going to stand for you, and someone who's going to stand with you. The gift of the Spirit of God is one of the advocates that we have as a result of the work of Jesus. Verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens, it has come at last, salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to the earth, the one who accused them before our God night and day. And look at this verse 11, and they defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. This is how we defeat the devil. The Bible gives us very clear instructions here. It is by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony and that they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. And verse 12, therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who live in the heavens rejoice. But terror will come upon the sea, for the devil has come down to you in great anger, knowing that he has little time. You see, here's what's happened. The devil is defeated in heaven. He's thrown down to earth. And you and I live here. And we live here in the in-between, between the time that Jesus came and the time that he comes again. And the devil wants to have his way with you. And when the dragon realized that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But she was given two wings like those of a great eagle so she could fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness. There she would be cared for and protected from the dragon for a time, times, and a half time. And then the dragon tried to drown the woman with a flood of water flowing from his mouth. But the earth helped her by opening up its mouth and swallowing the river that gushed out from the mouth of the dragon. And the dragon was angry at the woman and declared war, listen here, and declared war against the rest of her children. That's you and me. This story is not over. This is where you and I come into the picture. The devil is still at work trying to destroy you. But at the name of Jesus, the Emmanuel, God with us, it strikes terror into the heart of the devil. The devil declared war against the rest of her children, all who keep God's commandments and maintain their testimony for Jesus. And the devil took his stand on the shore beside the sea. There was an argument that happened at a football game, a soccer game. Two players at a soccer game, they uh, were at the goal line and they each kicked at the ball and they both kicked the ball at the same time and that ball went through the goal line and scored the final goal and they were arguing back and forth in the locker room kind of joking with each other who actually scored the goal and who was actually going to get the point on their record and the coach came in and said you know what guys neither of you scored that goal I did And they kind of looked at him and it's like, yeah, you know what? I taught you how to kick the ball. I taught you how to uh, go past the defense. I even taught you how to get to the goal line so that you could kick it in. So really, I deserve the, the point on my record and not you guys. But of course, he was trying to make a point that actually two people could actually score a goal. And maybe even a third. You see, in this story, there is this spiritual realm where there's a battle going on. And yet the Bible tells us that the devil was defeated by the people of God because they believed in the blood of the lamb and that they were willing to suffer and die and that they were willing to testify about who Jesus was. So which is it? Well, we can say with some certainty that it was both. That the angels of God and the people of God work together in the spiritual realm as well as in the real realm. That the angels of God work here in this realm and watch over us and they work in the spiritual realm to fight against the devil. And we're able to give meaning to our understanding of what's going on in this world because of what goes on in the spiritual world. We're able to say that the devil is still at work in our world. When you go to your jobs and you hang out with the people you're uh, hanging out with and you think to yourself, I don't know how they managed to get into so much trouble. I bet that there's the devil at work. When we look at our world and see the evil that uh, is done in the name of progress or in the name of uh, of justice, the evil that's done uh, just because of evil's sake, we can say that the devil is still at work. But whenever God's people claim the name of Jesus... Emmanuel, God with us, it strikes terror in the heart of evil. I want to read to you a, um, I want to read to you a quote from Charles Spurgeon's sermon that got me going on this message today. He said this, God with us, it's hell's terror. Now he's kind of a poet, right? So kind of a spoken word. So I'm going to read it to you like he wrote it, but it was meant to be spoken. It's hell's terror. Satan trembles at the sound of it. His legions fly apace. The black winged dragon of the pit quails before it. Let Satan come to you suddenly and do you but whisper that word, God with us. And hell backs away, confounded and confused. Satan trembles when he hears that name, God with us. So now God pre- claims the victory the angels win against the devil why because the angels fight and the people of god have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony and because they did not love their lives so much that they weren't afraid to die you and i are called to live that kind of life this christmas when you think about god with us emmanuel I want you to think that when you recognize and hold on to that promise and that God is with us, that it strikes terror in the heart of evil, that you can fight back against the evil of this world in your life, in the lives of your children, in the lives of the people around you. When you claim the blood of the lamb of God, when you believe that the blood of the lamb actually has power In your life from Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 it says he is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave us our sins the Apostle Paul said this in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 13 but now you have been united with Christ once you were far away from God but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ we don't want to talk about the blood of Christ because it's just too bloody but the trail of blood runs all the way from the book of Genesis to the book of Matthew. When the blood of Jesus was shed for us on the cross, there is power in the blood of Jesus. There's power in the blood The second thing that I want to talk to you about very quickly is the testimony of God's people. It's belief in the power of the blood of Jesus that defeats the devil and strikes terror into his heart. But the second thing is the testimony of God's people as we tell the story of God's faithfulness. Every time you overcome something in your life, you can give a testimony. It's not about preparing something from A to B, but every time you overcome something in your life, you have a story to tell about the work of Jesus in your life. Every test that Jesus has gotten you through is a testimony of God's grace. Jesus spoke to the man from from Gennesaret when he healed him, and he said this in in Mark chapter 5, verse 19, go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. Go to your family and to your friends and to your neighbors and tell them the mercies of God in your life. You want to defeat the power of the devil in the life that you live around you? Tell the story of what Jesus has done. Jesus overcame Satan by the word of God. Know your Bibles and speak the words of God to those around you. And then, about not loving our lives so much that we wouldn't be willing to die for it. You see, this is something that you give your life to, this thing called faith. You don't enter into this lightly. This is not a commitment that you say, well, like, you know, my parents did this, so maybe I'll do it too. This is not a commitment that you say, well, I'll do it as long as it doesn't bother me. This is not what faith is about. Faith is about saying, I'm willing to die for this. I'm willing to pay the price for this. I'm willing to stand up against tyranny. I'm willing to stand in the face of evil and say, you will not have my life or my testimony. And some members of the faith have, have died for this. As a matter of fact, more people die for their faith in the last 10 years than all the previous centuries combined. Martyrs who have expected that the devil will do anything possible to destroy the testimony of the saints of God and discredit the work of Jesus Christ. A believer's death isn't the last word, it's not. It's not the last word. The last word is well done and good and faithful servant. A believer's death is the second last word where it's well done and your body dies. When he says good and faithful servant. This last scripture passage that I have for you is from Colossians chapter 3 verses 5 to 9. As you put to death some things in your life, look at the list here that God is asking you to take a look at. That you're willing to say, you know what? I'm willing to die to these things. I'm willing to put them out of my life so that I can be the person Christ wants me to be. That I can so be full of the word Emmanuel, God with me, that I put to death the sinful nature, the earthly things lurking within me. That I have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. That, I don't, that I'm not greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Obviously, this is an ideal, but it is one of the things that we're called to put out of our life because these things, because of these things, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now the time is to get rid of anger and rage and malice, malicious behavior, slander and dirty language. Don't lie to each other for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. That's what we're called to do when we love our lives less and we count it a blessing to be able to serve God and say, I will do this even at the cost of my own life. God with us, Emmanuel strikes terror in the heart of the devil. I pray that you will exercise that strength and power when you think about this little child in this cute little Christmas card with stars in the sky and hay in a manger where the cattle are lowing and the baby's asleep. There's so much more going on than you can imagine. Let me pray for you. Lord, I want to thank you for the blessing of this Christmas story, that it's so much more than just a little postcard, that it is a story of all uh, time and uh, all of your wisdom that you have put uh, out to us in Scripture. Lord, thank you for pulling back the curtain that we might see what's going on behind the scenes. We pray, Lord, for your blessing upon us as we live out this uh, word Emmanuel in our lives.